Welcome, everyone, to the Fantasy and Betting Podcast presented by the 33rd Team. I'm your host, as always, Josh Larkey, joined, as always, by my co-host, Ryan Reynolds. We are going to be previewing the Week 15 matchups while discussing some of the Week 14 stats that happened and how that affects the upcoming week. Welcome to the start of the fantasy football playoffs. To anyone that plays in leagues where six or eight teams make the playoffs, Ryan, I'll kick it to you. Let's start with uh, a very disappointing Thursday game. Yeah, you know, the Justin Herbert injury changes when Raiders versus Chargers on Thursday. The Raiders are now three-point favorites. The game total is a blistering 34 total points. You know, uh, when we're talking about the Raiders, Josh, I mean, they got shut out by Minnesota at home last week. You know, there, there's no real way to, you know, view that through rose-colored glasses. The one positive I'll say about the Raiders is they only gave up three points. The defense has been much better than I expected throughout the year. Do you have anything positive to say about Aiden O'Connell's offense? Uh, no, I don't. Devontae Adams is now under 13 fantasy points a game. That is not even really a top 24 fantasy option. Josh Jacobs has a knee injury. We'll learn more about that later today, and we'll touch on that on our waiver wire show tomorrow. Zamir White will probably be a priority pickup. For Josh's beloved Chargers, you know, I, I don't really want to watch this team without Justin Herbert. We saw them score six points in New England a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, again, the Chargers are three-point road underdogs for a reason here, Josh. I'm not even sure that's enough without Herbert. What, what are you thinking here for the Chargers? Yeah, I don't have much positives to say. The The only positive would really be Austin Eckler. There was this, this fake news report. The Chargers would ride the hot hand. Austin Eckler had... 48 snaps to Isaiah Spiller's 12 to Josh Kelly's 7. Eckler is the one who had the red zone and goal line carries. He's the one that had all seven targets, ultimately finished with 21 fantasy points and 100 total yards. Spiller and Kelly combined for two and a half fantasy points. I don't think we need to say too much about Quentin Johnston. A lot of people want to talk about it. Guys, he had four targets. That's a 10% target share. He caught three for 91 yards. Most of it was on one catch. That is living very dangerously for fantasy football. We will still not be starting him against a, a decent Raiders secondary. That's Jay Larky tweets. You can find his fantasy rankings at the 33rd team.com. Kevin Wheeler, Matthew Hill also joining on the rankings. I do defenses that'll be released on Tuesday afternoon and updated throughout the week. We have a Saturday slate this week, Josh. First up on that one, Bengals versus Vikings. Spreads here is Bengals minus four. Game total here is 39 and a half points. You know, Josh, we say this all the time. I watch all the games so you don't have to. And I want to talk about Jake Browning's outing here. Chase Brown and Joe Mixon accounted for 126 receiving yards. 99 of those came on two busted screen plays. Around 20 more came on another screen. 46 other yards came on a deep shot to T. Higgins where Jake Browning almost threw him out of bounds. If he leads him, probably like a 70-yard touchdown. Uh, you know, got to give him his flowers. He's been very productive two weeks in a row, but a lot of last week's statistical production was unsustainable. I wouldn't bank on it. You know, every I the game two weeks ago against the Jaguars, we can count that when he played that well last week. This was more like a 210 one touchdown type outing. What, what are you thinking about the Bengals here, Josh? I'm still pretty sick, but I'm going to try and show the passion that Jake Browning's game plans have. Not been real NFL starting quarterback game plans. His average throw depth these past three games has been 5.1 yards, 4.5 yards, and 4.5 yards. Overall, that is under five yards on average. 
Bryce Young has the lowest average throw depth among full-time starters. His average throw depth is six yards. Six yards, so it's about 30% more than Browning. That is uh, not very sustainable in terms of yardage. Yeah, that might offer some PPR value to the running backs, but in terms of Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, that's really not what you want to have such a low throw depth. And then uh, on Chase Brown, uh, he's explosive, but it is still Joe Mixon's backfield. Mixon outsnapped him more than two to one. Mixon outcarried him more than two to one. Mixon had five goal line carries. Chase Brown did not have any of them. And Mixon still ran more routes. So we can't really start Chase Brown yet in fantasy. He's had a couple big plays these last two weeks. Ultimately, though, this feels a lot like uh, Keaton Mitchell, where you start to get excited and then uh, one or two big plays don't happen. And you're left with seven or eight touches and you realize that you're getting six fantasy points. Yeah, I'd say Brown's a stash at this point. And, you know, we're deep enough into the year where stashes are almost unnecessary in a week or two. With the Vikings, Josh, you know, we just mentioned this. They beat the Raiders 3-0. They shut them out. All the credit in the world to Brian Flores. If you were going to talk about the best coordinator this year, it's it's Brian Flores. The Vikings are giving up the fifth fewest points in the league now. They were giving up the eighth last week. So it's not like the shutout just, you know, catapulted them to extreme heights. They've been really good all year for about two months. Just remarkable, remarkable stuff for a defense that got shredded by Mac Jones and Daniel Jones twice last year, Josh. You made a little money on those Daniel Jones addings, actually. Um, offensively though, Josh Jobs has turned into a pumpkin over the last two weeks. I still think that they should roll him out because he has more upside. He was pretty consistent with the Cardinals all year. So any of their other options, I'm, I'm a little concerned about this game. I like is an under two very good defensive coordinators, probably two of the five best defensive coordinators in the league facing off against backup quarterbacks. What do you, you like anything about the Vikings here, Josh? Yeah, I was going to say, so Josh Dobbs was benched for Nick Mullins. He had 63 passing yards on 23 attempts. That's under three yards per attempt. He had the hospital ball to Justin Jefferson, which led to the injury. Uh, the one thing that we can, we can say positively, uh, Alexander Madison has a sprained ankle. That's not the positive. The positive is Ty Chandler. We'll talk about him more on tomorrow's waiver wire show, but I'd say he's in for a pretty big day. The Bengals have struggled recently against running backs. And Ty Chandler projects to get all the touches because this depth chart at this point is so, so hollowed out. We had Cam Akers lost to the Achilles. Dalvin Cook is no longer on this team. Madison has the high ankle sprain. It's basically just Ty Chandler. And then next up is Kanan Wongwu, who's a special teamer. So I think the undersized explosive Chandler's in for 15 to 20 touches in this game. Next up, Josh. Colts first Steelers. Colts are two and a half point home favorites. Game total here is 42 points. You know, it's funny, Josh, for 13 weeks, I resisted the Colts record. It was like, you know, this team's overachieving. I don't know how they're doing this. I finally move them up to, I think, 12th in my power rankings, finally give them their flowers, so to speak. And then all of a sudden in Cincinnati last week, they show up as the team I've thought they were all year. So I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. They're a bit like last year's Giants to me. Very well coached, Shane Steichen, no, all the credit in the world to him, but they win a lot of games by very, you know, unsustainable ways. They're not a great roster. I could see them botting men out over the next few weeks. What do you think about the Colts here, Josh? Yeah, the, the one guy I want to talk about is Zach Moss. The past two games, Zach Moss has 32 of the 35 running back carries, 11 of the 14 targets per game. That's 16 carries and five and a half targets. That's 21 and a half opportunities a game. He's under nine fantasy points per game in that stretch. He's still a fantasy RB1 based on usage. 
Steelers have not really shut down running backs. In fantasy, we just saw that uh, last Thursday with Ezekiel Elliott having a season-high 27 fantasy points. So Zach Moss, we should continue to roll him out very, very confidently in this matchup. One thing I'll say about the Colts too, Josh, my power rankings will be released tomorrow morning. I'll talk about this a little bit in there. Their schedule soft enough where I do think they could still make the playoffs, but this is still not just, just not a very good team. Speaking of teams that are just not very good in their present state, we have the Steelers. What a horrifying loss to the Patriots at home on Thursday night last week. I, I think Steeler fans that want to get rid of Mike Tomlin, you know, the grass is not always greener, ladies and gentlemen. I think maybe just, you know, a better offensive coordinator, maybe a better quarterback in the next few years and keep the guy who hasn't had a losing season yet. That's just my two cents. That said, Josh, I think Mitch Trubisky's at the point where maybe he's not on a roster next year. Uh, it's been bad, and it was really, really bad last Thursday night. Do we have any hope for improvement here with the Steelers' offense at all? Uh, probably not on the Trubisky end. I, I enjoyed the calls for Mason Rudolph. I think that shows you how bad the, the season's going when there's calls for the third-string quarterback to start getting reps on a Thursday night game. Positively, though, the, the Colts are the second-best matchup for fantasy running backs when you adjust for their schedule. We should get a nice little bounce back for Najee Harris, Jalen Warren. Last week against the Patriots, they combined just 19 carries, just 40 rushing yards total. They'd been really, really hot for five weeks prior to that. I think they get back on track here, and I I think we're going to see even more of an extreme run-heavy game plan, assuming the, the Colts don't do what the Patriots do and jump out to a multi-touchdown lead early. I, I think it's pretty much in the Steelers' intentions at this point to have 15 to 20 Trubisky pass attempts, and I, ideally I think they're going to have 35 running back carries in this one. It makes all the sense in the world to me. This Thursday, Josh and I will be back on our on our podcast here where we'll discuss some of his ranking disparities versus consensus. We'll see where he's at in the Steelers' running back room since we're in playoff mode now, too. We'll expand that a little bit. Lions versus Broncos closes out the Saturday slate, Josh. Lions are four-point home favorites. Game total here is 46.5. You know, one of my stronger stances over the last couple months is that I've, been, I've viewed Detroit as being overvalued. They're a good team, but they're not quite in that upper echelon. That's aged pretty well over the last few weeks with losses to the Packers and Bears now. In fact, with the Bears, they've played them twice recently, and for 118 out of 120 minutes, the Bears not only beat them up, but dominated them. Bears dominated them in Chicago last week. And one of the things here with Jared Goff is we're, we're heading down the stretch here in a bad weather. If Jared Goff is clean, he'll shred you. If he's under duress at all like he was last week, he's an entirely different quarterback. He's a very pressure-sensitive quarterback. Keep that in mind going forward when you're playing matchups. What do you got here in the lines, Josh? Yeah, at this point, it seems like game script is dictating a lot of the running back usage for Detroit. Teams in control. David Montgomery gets a lot more of the work when they're trailing. Jameer Gibbs is the guy. We kind of see that each week. Broncos have not really been a team that's blowing out opponents. I think we're going to forget last week's game against the Chargers because Herbert left that game early with the broken finger. So in this one, Lions four-point favorites. I would lean i would lean towards montgomery slightly and the broncos are the number one defense to target for fantasy running backs when you adjust for the schedule and opponents face so montgomery will probably be a top 10 running back for me this week in fantasy my rankings will hit the site uh tomorrow the 33rd team.com yeah we'll, we'll be we'll talk about that thursday too maybe josh because this is, this is kind of an important game here. Like you said, the Broncos were actually beating the Chargers before Herbert went down. I don't think that really changed the outcome here. 
The offense is still a middle-of-the-road group here, so I don't think they push Detroit much. But like you said, I do think – and the Lions, you know, they do this well, premium offensive line, two excellent running backs. But on the Broncos' side, Russell – you know, the, the Lions' defense is really underwhelmed over the last month or so, really, truly underwhelmed. So if Russell Wilson is going to get a spike week, is it this week, Josh? What are, you, what are you thinking here with Denver? Yeah, I think there's real potential there. Dome game. The Lions have now allowed at least 26 points in five straight games. And when you look at their uh, opponents, it's it's not a it's kind of a mixed bag. I mean, we've got the Saints, the Packers, the Bears twice. It's not like they're they're getting destroyed by these premium offenses. So uh, I think there's at least some hope for for Russ to have another good game and just kind of continue this sort of low end fantasy QB one type season that he's had based on efficiency and then much more heavily reliant on his legs than last year. And then in the receiving game, it's there's potential here. Detroit's become this big pass funnel defense, third best matchup for quarterbacks, sixth best matchup for receivers, but 31st for running backs. And it's kind of been a tale of Sutton being incredibly efficient and Judy being inefficient all season. Judy led the team last week with six targets, 20% share, but he only caught two for 16 yards, whereas Sutton only had four targets, Caught three for 62 yards and a touchdown. Corlin Sutton quietly has now reached double-digit touchdowns this year, which blew my mind. 53 receptions, so every five catches Sutton has gotten in the box this year, and I don't think that's sustainable. Mr. Gilarchy tweets, I don't think that's sustainable either. Now now we're on to the Sunday slate here, Josh. First up is Brown, Browns versus Bears. Cleveland's a three-and-a-half-point home favorite right now. Game total here is 38 points. My expert picks and predictions comes out on Thursday morning. This is the game I'm looking forward to diving in the most because I think this is an either-or game currently. On the Brown side of things, Josh, you know, jo- Josh, Joe Flacco has transformed this team. I think not only are they going to get in the playoffs now, I think they could be frisky. I think they could knock someone off because, you know, they don't really even need much of them. But he threw for over 300 yards last week. And on top of that, Josh, Joe Flacco throughout his career has loved tight ends from Dennis Pitta to Tyler Conklin in New York last week. They see big-time volume. David Njoku is a dynamic athlete that had a pretty big spike game last week. I, I'm curious about what your thoughts on Flacco and Njoku here and on, on Cleveland's offense in general. Yeah, Flacco has been a revelation. First time this year the Browns have had at least 250 passing yards in back-to-back games. Thank you, Joe Flacco. Multiple passing touchdowns in each of those as well. I'll push back a little bit on him loving tight ends. David Njoku did have six catches, 91 yards, and two touchdowns. That's very exciting. Njoku dudded out last week. And actually, the the six games prior to Flacco, Njoku's target share was always at least 20%. It's been under that in both games with Flacco. So we did have a very, very efficient game last week. But in terms of actually targeting the tight end, we've actually seen Flacco leaning much more heavily on the wide receivers. In this game where Amari Cooper did not leave with a head injury, he was the target leader, 14 targets, a 33% share. He only caught seven for 77 yards. So we now have back-to-back weeks where Elijah Moore is the, the clear target leader. Doesn't do much. He's a little inefficient. Amari Cooper, same thing. Gets all the targets, not super efficient. I like to think at some point the fortunes change. And Amari Cooper probably has a much better game this week. We've just kind of seen the the ridiculous volume. The, the Browns relying on Flacco. And I think this might be the week that he kind of puts it all together. I like that, Josh. I like that. 
for the Bears side of things, Josh, one of my stronger stances this year that I haven't really let go of is that I've been above consensus on them for a while now. You know, I believe they're five and four in their last nine. They're a couple plays away from being a seven and six team that's right in the, the wild card race. Defense has been really good for over a month now. The the addition of Montez Sweat has changed their pass rush. It's made everyone better. DJ Moore's been fantastic. I know we had doubts about, you know, Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen. Like that's been much closer to a parallel when Justin Fields is on the field than I think anyone really expected. Um, what do you think about the Bears, the Bears here, Josh? Yeah, DJ Moore in games that Fields starts and finishes is the fantasy wide receiver two overall. Less positively, the running back usage is hard to predict. Week 12, Roshan Johnson, the rookie, is the bell cow while playing alongside Khalil Herbert with Deonta Foreman sidelined with an ankle injury. Week 13, they have the bye. And then week 14, everything flips. Deonta Foreman returns. He handles the most carries. He runs the most routes, even though he's not much of a pass catcher. Khalil Herbert remains the number two. And then Roshan Johnson gets bumped from the number one to the number three. I'm very concerned. I I don't really like this matchup in terms of the Browns against running backs. And I don't really like that. I think it might be Foreman again, but it really wouldn't surprise me if any of those three ended up being the lead back. So start of the fantasy playoffs. If you want some big upside, it's probably not going to come in the Bears backfield. Yeah, it seems like risky scaling, terrible floor for all these guys. I do think the Bears will try to lean on the run if they can here because of the Browns' perimeter corners and pass rush, but I agree. I, I think this is going to be like a 13-10 type game, real real, real uh, slobber knocker, if you will. Patriots versus Chiefs. Patriots are 10-point home underdogs. <laughs> the game total here is 37.5 points. You know, you got to give it to them. Impressive spike week against the Steelers from Bailey Zappi. Ezekiel Elliott may not blow the doors off you athletically anymore, but he's a professional football player that's really reliable in all phases. I know that's not like a fun thing to say, but that's the reality of the situation. That's why Belichick wanted him there in the first place. Defense continues to be good. I, there's still no reason to have any confidence in the offense here, and if this team's going to hang here, they're going to need to score a little bit. you have any optimism on that front, Josh? Uh, not really. Uh, a 10-point spread with a 37-game total suggests a blowout and uh, the i guess like the one positive is we could talk about ezekiel elliott having the largest running back workload in week 14 he was the only running back to this point in week 14 we do have two monday night games but i i don't expect any of those four teams to let a running back handle literally 100 of the snaps like zeke did 22 carries 68 rushing yards eight targets for a 31 target share the most impressive was that he caught seven of eight targets for 72 yards and a touchdown. I, I think we might see that again this week against the Chiefs where Zeke dump-offs are plentiful. They try to keep the, the game plan simple for Bailey Zappi. And despite Zappi going 240 and three last week, Zeke is really the only player in New England that I'm starting. Yeah, agreed there. Definitely. I'm staying away from everyone else myself. On the Chiefs front, Josh, you know, let's start with this. Kadarius Tony was so far off sides, he should probably have to do a little jail time for that penalty. I mean, the fact that anyone's angry about this is ridiculous. The drama fiasco. Like, like here's the thing. You've won two Super Bowls in the last four years. You went to the Super Bowl last year on a borderline late hit running out of bounds against the Bengals. They basically put you in field goal position before overtime. You know, and then you got that PI call late against the Eagles in the Super Bowl. The problem with the Chiefs is that their offense stinks you know, considering the standards that they've had since Patrick Mahomes took over. 
one call, like seriously, like stop, you know, please stop doing this. That said, Bill Belichick would try to make the Chiefs play left-handed by focusing his game, his macro game plan on Travis Kelsey when they had Tyreek Hill. So he's definitely doing that this week. That means the Chiefs wide receivers are going to have to win this game. I'm a little concerned there. On the other hand, Josh, the Chiefs have lost three of their last four, two in a row. This has not happened during the Mahomes era. This is an obvious bounce back spot, an obvious right to ship spot. It's just a question of do they win by 10 points or, or, or more. What are you thinking about KC here, pal? Yeah, so let's talk about the running back usage. Isaiah Pacheco was out for week 14. We'll we'll kind of monitor if he plays week 15. But Clyde Edwards-Alaire was the one who had 11 carries to McKinnon's four. Clyde Edwards-Alaire ran 15 routes to McKinnon's 18. They each had a red zone carry. Alaire actually had four targets to McKinnon's three. McKinnon is the one that scored. He happened to convert his red zone carry. I would still prefer... CEH to McKinnon in fantasy should Pacheco miss again, despite McKinnon getting in the box and having more fantasy points. The usage was pretty clearly in Edwards Alaire's favor. And Ryan, you watch every snap of every game. Would you agree? McKinnon does not look nearly as fast or explosive this year. Last year at stretches, I was like, you know what? I'm still seeing this plus athlete. Uh, I rewatched the, the game late last night just to kind of get my thoughts together. And, I was once again just very underwhelmed with McKinnon. I think actually looked less explosive at times than Edwards Alaire, which was crazy to to be saying. And in terms of receivers stepping up, I I do have some confidence at least in Rasheed Rice. He now has at least nine targets, seven catches, sixty four yards in three straight games. He's averaging twenty fantasy points a game in that stretch. I think those numbers are going to be a little bit inflated. That's just a small three game sample, but I think it shows that at this point Rasheed Rice has broken through. He's the clear number one receiver. If I remember correctly, Marquez Valdez-Scaling is still under 20 receptions for this season, which is like kind of mind-blowing for the guy that like came into the season as the supposed wide receiver one for Patrick Mahomes. So yeah, I'd say this is going to be probably a big Rasheed Rice game. But other than that, I, I agree. Little confidence in this Chiefs offense. It's becoming, in terms of what we, sh- what we think with Mahomes, I actually think it's been... The, the, these past four games, they've been one of the hardest offenses to watch. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. First, Josh, I have a few things to say. MVS does have 19 catches on 37 targets for 195 yards, and he plays a lot too. So it's not like it's not like a playing time thing. Oh, and as you know, Josh, MVS maybe cost me a million dollars by dropping that deep deep shot in the end zone a few weeks ago on, on in prime time. So I, I'll never forget MVS. That's for sure. Uh, to your running back question, yes, Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon, when he was a Viking, was a super explosive player. He wasn't quite that last year either. Um, had injuries when he went to the 49ers, so on. But he was, he was, you know, better than what they had in, in the passing game phase. And I agree. I also think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was a more explosive player yesterday, which, you know, that's not, that's not really a compliment, guys. Next up, next up, Panthers versus Falcons. Real, real exciting stuff here. Panthers are three-point home underdogs. Game total here is 35 points, you know. They just got smoked by the Saints last week, Josh. You know, we talked about this. Like, can the Panthers win this game outright? Just because, like, that was more of a bet against the Saints. The truth is, I don't think they can beat anyone outright. Evidently, that wasn't Frank Reich's fault. That seems to be a roster a roster problem at this point. Do you have any positives to say about Carolina at all, Josh? Yeah, we'll start with the positives. Both weeks since head coach Frank Reich's been fired, Chuba Hubbard's been the workhorse back over Miles Sanders. 
Falcons have generally been a fairly stingy against fantasy running backs. We saw Rashad White have a big game against him last week. Chuba's going to be somewhere in the fantasy RB2 conversation. The I think what, what the, describes the Panthers' offense is Jonathan Mingo. Jonathan Mingo has at least a 20% target share in five straight games. He's averaged seven and a half targets in that span. And yet, just three catches, 35 yards, under seven fantasy points a game over the past five games, despite being the focal point of this pass attack. Thiel in the past five games is also under nine fantasy points. And he's actually been out-targeted. Thielen's been out-targeted by Mingo during that stretch. Thielen was kind of the one bright spot in the past game. At this point, Chuba Hubbard is a fantasy running back two type. I just am not going to start anybody in this pass game anymore. I I don't know what to do. Thielen was getting there on volume. He, he's, he looks tired. It's been a long season for the mid-30s product. And Jonathan Mingo is just bad at football. Yeah, I mean, expecting him to be a wide receiver one for a full season was a pretty, pretty big ask. Uh, I let me, let me say this to you guys too. It's playoff week for most of us. Starts in week fifteen. We have our free Discord. I'm gonna up the. I'm gonna up how often I'm in it this week for start sit questions and so on. I'll do a pass Thursday afternoon. I'll do a pass Friday evening, and then Saturday evening again. And Kev Wheeler's a monster in there. You know, Kev Wheeler helps us out big time. So, hit Kev, me, Josh, we'll be in there trying to help you win your leagues this year. On the Falcon side of things here, Josh. Oh man, no one wants to win this division still. Like the Falcons were showing some hope, winning two in a row. Then they they host Baker Mayfield's Buccaneers, and you know they can't get the job done here. I have no confidence in any team in this division, no faith whatsoever. The Saints have the best roster; they don't want to get it done. The Falcons have the second best roster; they don't want to get it done. However, shout out to Jordan Vanek. He he told us he wanted the ladder Drake London receiving yards. I think London finished with 172 receiving yards yesterday, so pretty big hit there, Jordan. No surprise there. Any uh any any takeaways here for the Falcons' offense, Josh? Yeah, I thought Jordan was crazy. He wanted to play Ritter London stacks in DFS. So of course, Ritter throws for nearly 350. Th- passes for a touchdown, runs in a touchdown. London, like you said, 172 receiving yards the most yesterday. However, that was against the Buccaneers. They're one of the best matchups for receivers. The Panthers are the second worst matchup for fantasy receivers this year behind only uh, the Jets. And it's not necessarily that they have this elite secondary. It's really that teams just run the piss out of the ball against the Panthers. I think it's going to be an efficient Bijan Robinson game. Panthers have given up an NFL high 17 rushing touchdowns to running backs. Tyler Algier wasn't involved in the passing game like Bijan. That's why Bijan had the massive fantasy day last week. But Bijan did have 10 carries. Algier had nine last week. We have our ultimate fantasy football playoffs guide that we co-authored. That's on the 33rdteam.com site. It's free. There's nothing like it out there right now. Everyone should check that out. And I wrote up some unique flex options towards the bottom of that article. And Tyler Algier was one of my week 15 flex consideration options where he's getting a similar enough amount of carries to Bijan and against this Panthers team where teams simply don't need to pass to win pretty handily. Uh, Algier is just the sneaky, sneaky threat for 12 carries, 60, 70 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, speaking of that guy, Josh, I've been doing something like that for five years now. Uh, I, that's one of my favorite pieces to do. Josh did it with me this year, and my it's it's the best it's ever been in part because of that flex session. And like we talked about last week, Algier is my favorite my favorite uh, option that you put in there. That's completely out of the box, and I think you're right. He, he has difference making upside this week. 
Next up, Josh, the second iteration of Dolphins versus Jets. Dolphins are 12-point home favorites this time. 40.5-point game total here. You know, we'll see Miami tonight. We know what they are. Tyreek Hills, the offensive player of the year, maybe going to break the record for receiving yards in a single season. The Jets, you know, in winter pools, I wrote that I like the Jets as an upset option this week. I was expecting Houston to struggle offensively because they can't really run the ball and they're pass reliant. The Jets, you can run the ball on the Jets, but they have an excellent pass defense. There's terrible, disgusting weather here in, in, in the tri-state area. Wind, rain. I was not expecting 30 points of offense out of the Jets, however, Josh. I, I don't expect it to be more of an anomaly than the new norm, but you have you have any positives going forward for this offense? Uh, the the positives would just be that Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson get there in fantasy with Zach Wilson. We had the, those couple Tim Boyle weeks that were quite depressing, but yeah, what we saw last week from Garrett Wilson: fourteen targets, nine catches, hundred eight yards. That's definitely the the ceiling, but the floor has not been all that bad either when he's been playing with Zach Wilson. He's kind of this middling to low end fantasy wide receiver too with Wilson this year. And then Brees Hall fortunately still has that outrageous receiving workload had nearly 90 receiving yards yesterday. And he needs that because Brees Hall has had 50 or fewer rushing yards every game since week five. Now he is pretty much ex exclusively like an Austin Eckler type for fantasy. Saints first giant giants, Josh Saints are six point home favorites, 36 and a half point game total. We'll see the Giants tonight, Josh. On the Saints side, you know, like I said, I never backed off the Bears stance this year. I was enthusiastic about the Saints. Them and the Chargers are the two teams I'm the most disappointed in. I have backed off on the Saints. I've definitely adjusted them, thrown them in like, I think they were 20th in my power rankings last week. They scored 28 points against the Panthers, but they did not have a good game on offense. The defense has struggled recently, but they did do their jobs last week against Carolina. Then again, everyone shuts down Carolina been a very bizarre season for this group where they have not taken advantage of a very easy schedule. Then again, this is a very winnable game against the Giants, and New Orleans is a tough place to play. What do, you, what do you got here on the Saints offense, Josh? Yeah, the Saints are one of three teams in the NFC South with a 6-7 and seven record, but they are the only team with a positive point differential, so at least we can give them that. One thing that was a little concerning is that while the Giants have struggled against running backs all year, Alvin Kamara did not really break away from the pack last week against Jamal Williams. They split carries down the middle, 12 to 11. Kamara ran 16 routes to Jamal's seven. 16 routes is just not very many, considering Carr had around 30 dropbacks. So he's only running a route on about half of those. Kamara did seed a red zone carry as well. And you might be like, well, Josh, I saw the score. It was a blowout. Of course, it's Jamal Williams game. And no, by quarter. The two were neck and neck for carries the entire game. And the Saints really blew it away at the very end of the game, where the fourth quarter they beat the Panthers 14-0. So it was actually a little bit closer for most of the game. Kamara's still a fantasy RB1, but the, the ceiling's going to be a little bit lower like it was last week where he only has 13 fantasy points if he's going to be in a, a pretty even carry split with Jamal, the veteran. Next up, Josh, my least favorite game on the slate. When I do expert picks on Thursday morning, when I do my betting preview on Saturday morning, this will be the game I have the least amount of confidence in. Packers versus Buccaneers. Packers are three and a half point home favorites. Game total here is 42 and a half points. They're very similar teams. You know, Green Bay, we'll see them tonight. Their offense is a different animal without Christian Watson, though. Buccaneers, you know, to their credit, to Baker Mayfield's credit, this team will just not die. 
They kept themselves in the NFC South race yesterday, last week with their win against the Falcons. Rashad White had over 100 yards on the ground. That's a true rarity for this team. They've had a bottom five running game for two years in a row now. But White's trending up here, Josh. What do you, what do you think about this offense? Yeah, uh, he is trending up. He's now run for at least 84 yards in three straight games. I actually bet against him with his rushing yards last week. I got that, that wrong. He was still not super efficient, only four yards per carry, but uh, pretty outrageous volume if they're giving him 25 carries in that one. Looks like it could be another game like that because the Packers are uh, one of the, the more extreme run funnel defenses. So I've got some hope for Rashad White. I've got some hope that Mike Evans bounces back after only catching one of six targets last week. Chris Godwin, it was nice to see him lead the team in targets last week, but in this matchup, I, I think he goes back to what he's been all season, just this very low-ceiling flex play. Next up, Titans versus Texans. The Titans are two-point home favorites right now because C.J. Stroud's in the concussion protocol. 37.5-point game total here. Tennessee will see them tonight for the Texans. I don't actually think that Houston's drawing dead here if they're without Stroud. Davis Mills isn't you know, the worst backup quarterback in the league, but obviously it's a monumental downgrade. My bigger concern here is no Nico Collins, no Tank Dell, plus no C.J. Stroud is that turns the Texans into you know like a bottom-eight type team. Uh, what, what are you thinking here in Houston, Josh? I, I have nothing positive to say about the Texans. It's hard to know each week now if it's going to be Damian Pierce or Devin Singletary as the lead back. We've lost Tank Dell to a broken leg in week 13. Nico Collins to the calf in week 14. CJ Stroud is concussed. What does this mean? Uh, Derrick Henry shaping up for a massive, massive week 15. You'll you'll see my fantasy ranking set this out tomorrow. I'm going to be ranking him pretty aggressively because this looks like uh, the dream spot where we, we know these div- their division rivals. They want to beat the Texans. Uh, 25, 30 carries could be in store for the big dog in week 15. Yeah, I think that's the thing here too, Josh, is Derrick Henry has absolutely destroyed Houston over the last few years. We're talking like, I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but I think it's like four out of the last five games. He has 200 yards rushing. It's something absolutely absurd like that. That said, D'Amico Ryan's defense is an entirely different animal. I don't think the ceiling's quite as high as it has been in the past, but you're right. Like positive game script, huge volume, definitely on the play for the big dog who just won't age. I think he's second in the league in rushing yards right now. Cardinals versus 49ers. Cardinals are 13 and a half point underdogs. Game total here is 47. You know, Arizona's coming off their bye. When they beat Pittsburgh before their bye, it was similar to how they beat Dallas. They were very physical in the trenches. They manhandled two very good defenses in that spot. 49ers will be a problem on passing that as their front four is just absolutely absurd. But a few times, some teams have had surprising success on the ground here against San Francisco this year. 49ers defense is a bit banged up here, too. I don't have any confidence in Arizona manhandling the 49ers in the trenches, but you know a James Conner game is probably their best path to keeping this one close. What do you think here with the Cardinals offense, Josh? Yeah, I don't have too many positive things to say. At least prior to the bye, we we did see James Conner kind of take back that that workhorse load, which he needs to be a fantasy RB2. Hollywood Brown's been incredibly inconsistent with Kyler. He's been targeted so deep down the field. The Niners have given up some big plays in the passing game. The only place they've struggled in terms of fantasy points allowed is against receivers this year. That's mostly just because teams trail early and often, so they have to throw a lot against the Niners. But overall, I, I think we're starting Connor. We're starting Hollywood Brown. And I'd say that Kyler Murray is going to be kind of a low-end fantasy QB1 with an incredibly low floor this week. Uh, 
the what I'm what I'm thinking right now in terms of floor is the the playoff game where what was that two years ago when Kyler I mean, whew, what was it you have like a, like 120 yards in that game or something yeah yeah but that was one yeah. of the worst it might have actually been the worst quarterback play I've ever seen from a starter in the NFL playoffs yeah we've talked about this before you know not this year the Cardinals did a very good job in the draft this year. Previously, though, th- this is not a great roster. The 49ers have an enormous talent advantage here, just to be absolutely clear. That's why they're 13 and a half point road favorites. And on the San Francisco side of things, Josh, you know, so many people said that Brock Purdy is a system quarterback, but, you know, if you, I think if you asked a lot of them, like, w- explain the system, I'm not sure they'd have a great answer to that. that. That's, that's point one here, Josh. Two is he's not, Brock Purdy's not the first quarterback to benefit from a great supporting cast or head coach. When Patrick Mahomes entered the league, Andy Reid, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, pretty good supporting cast. I'm not comparing Brock Purdy to Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is an entirely different animal out of structure. That said, Josh, if you doubt Brock Purdy, that Seahawks game is the one to go watch. He had five or six throws in that game that were just spectacular, spectacular, high-difficulty throws. He made a half, you know, he, he's, he was, I don't want to say he was the difference in that game because, again, no team goes as deep as Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, McCaffrey, they can beat you in every conceivable way. But Brock Purdy is a player himself, and he should be in the MVP conversation. And, you know, there's a decent chance he's going to win it, too. What do you think about the 49ers offense here, Josh? Yeah, Purdy is now at 9.9 yards per attempt. Tua is in second place with only 8.6. Last, or I guess two weeks ago, I thought Purdy didn't do anything. He kind of got there on just big broken plays where Debo, Kittle, uh, IU getting loose downfield, but uh, I agree. Last week, what we saw was a pretty high average throw depth, difficult throws, dropping them in the bread basket. And yeah, I, I liked what I saw. Arizona's an elite matchup for these fantasy offenses. I will definitely be playing this game pretty heavily in DFS on the Niners side. Yeah, just to be clear, he does benefit from, you know, five yard drags to Debo that he runs for 30 yards. They're definitely part of the equation, but he is. He's a good player on top of that, too. Rams versus Commanders is next. Rams are six-and-a-half-point home favorites here, 48-and-a-half-point game total. Stafford, man, you know, he just kept the Rams in that game all, all, you know, that was a messy, messy game, lit up the Ravens' secondary. He could absolutely destroy this Commander's secondary, as we know, Josh. Like, this is the team to target. Rams' run game is the most overachieving running game in recent memory for me. Just, I'm so impressed by it. Shout out to Nick Botiford. You said something very smart, you know, when we were talking about this Kyron Williams hit. That, uh, you know, Nick Botiford should probably be a beat writer for the Rams. He's he's been very very good with with them this year. And, you know, success like that against against a team like Baltimore. You know, uh, the ceiling here against the, the 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 Commanders is you know 400 passing yards. So, what are you thinking here with the uh, the the Rams, Josh? Yeah, just to let people know what I'm doing on one of my fantasy teams where I now lost Justin Herbert. Uh, I am going to aggressively target Stafford on the waiver wire. That is my priority quarterback for this week. I think if he's out there on waivers for anyone, you should scoop him up. Wouldn't surprise me if he ends up being a top six fantasy quarterback in my rankings this week. We've talked about how the commanders are the premier defense to target. It's not even close at this point. They're the number one matchup overall for quarterbacks and receivers the number seven matchup for running backs. And then even more positively for the Rams, Cooper Cup is back. Not only did he have 10 targets, which was a team leading 26% share, not only did he catch eight of them for 115 yards and a touchdown, but his average depth of target 
was back to a more normal range for him at seven and a half yards. It was only three yards in week 13. It was concerning. They weren't letting him go downfield. He looked injured. And I, I thought yesterday, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought Cup looked a lot healthier. He had a couple catches that I was very impressed with. And I, I think he's back to just being in every week fantasy wide receiver one, especially against Washington. Yeah, I was shaking my head emphatically on that. Cooper Cup did look like the old Cooper Cup. Um, I, I, I didn't really play very much at DFS last week, but I plugged him in a lineup as like a hope and a, not a hope and a prayer, but I, I thought that game, I actually really liked that game from a shootout potential if there was no weather. But yeah, he was big, big time ceiling here against the commanders. Speaking of Josh, Washington's coming off their bye. They desperately needed it. Uh, Rams defense lost him last week's game in Baltimore. That means Sam Howell, who was leading the league in passing yards not too long ago. Uh, I think that's, you know, a, a little bit misleading. But Howell's been, he's had his moments this year. And I do think, in a best case scenario, he could turn this game into a shootout. Do you have any faith in, in the commander's offense here, Josh? Yeah, I have some faith uh, in Howell scoring fantasy points. That's about it. He's had at least 18 fantasy points in six straight. We've seen him distribute the ball to a lot of different receivers. It's why Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel aren't getting there in fantasy, even though Howell has been so good in terms of the raw counting stats. The one thing to note is that Brian Robinson had the hamstring injury from week 13, then they had the bye. Should he miss, Antonio Gibson looks like a pretty, pretty strong fantasy start. I would expect the Rams to be leading for most, if not all, of this game. We know that Gibson has pretty massive receiving ability in terms of both volume and breaking big plays in space. So he's going to be kind of the, the X factor here where if it, if I'm, if we assume Brian Robinson misses this game, the skill player I'd be most excited for wouldn't be Terry McLaurin. It would by quite a bit be Antonio Gibson for fantasy. Interesting. Interesting. Again, Josh, Kev Wheeler, Matthew Hill fantasy rankings will be on the 33rd team.com tomorrow afternoon. You know, we've been talking about a couple, a bunch of mediocre games on the slate, and now we're going to close out with, you know, three pretty solid ones. First up, Bills versus Cowboys. Bills are one-and-a-half-point home favorites in this matchup, 48-and-a-half-point team total. You know, last week in Kansas City, coming off their bye, must-win game for Buffalo. Buffalo basically needs to win out to get into the playoffs. It came out hot, real dicey second half offensively, kind of disappointing for me on a number of levels. They did walk away with a win. They're still very much in it. It's early. I do I do kind of lean towards Buffalo here in this spot just because of the desperation factor that Dallas, you know, played a great game against Philly, maybe a letdown spot for them. You have, you have anything to say about Buffalo's offense, Josh? Yeah, I was curious what you think of Stephon Diggs. At this point, he's been under seven fantasy points, three of his past four. Hasn't reached 100 receiving yards in two months. This, is he looking like he's starting to show his age? He is now 30. Um. I've said this about Aaron Rodgers a number of times, Josh, that a number of receivers have benefited greatly from his association with him. Stefan Diggs was the number two receiver with the Vikings. Good player. He's been a top five producer in, in, big part, in a large part because of his association with Josh Allen. I've always thought he's a touch overrated and good player, but I think if you put Amari Cooper in Buffalo and, and Stefan Diggs in Cleveland, I think their numbers, I don't think there would be a huge, 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 massive, massive disparity. The one other note is Don Kincaid had eight targets, 22% target share. He caught five of them for only 21 yards. Dawson Knox returned in this game. He only had three targets. So it looks like the split was mainly just ramping up the rookie early in the season and that 
Kincaid still looks like an every week fantasy tight end one with the usage despite Knox's return. Yeah, I'll add to that to the Chiefs credit because I bet on Kincaid's over yards, but not receptions. Just, you know, gave up no yak, tackled him as soon as he caught the ball. On the Cowboys side, Josh, you know, Dallas has played played an excellent complete game against Philly last night. I first mentioned Dak Prescott as an MVP candidate, you know, five weeks ago, six weeks ago when he was 40 to one on that market. I have a ticket then. I also bought a ticket, I think it was at 21, 20 to one odds when the market opened, just because I thought Dallas had a shot to be the NFC's number one seed. How, you know, one thing I want to focus on here, Josh, is Rico Daddle has popped on my radar a few times. He looks like he looks like a good little player. His 12 carries are real nice. That's encouraging. But when he got some of them, it was very curious to me. He he got them in some pretty high leverage spots when the game was still close. So I'm I'm curious what you think about Dallas's offense overall. And, you know, just about the team in general at this point. Yeah, Dowdle someone that I think at this point we can just kind of use as a flex play. The Bills have struggled for much of this year against running backs. Dowdle, as you've mentioned a few times now, has looked similar, if not better, to Pollard on the occasional carry, which I think is kind of an indictment on Pollard and also yes. sort of shows that Rico Dowdle's a pretty competent backup. In terms of the overall offensive landscape, Dak now has multiple passing touchdowns in seven straight games. He's probably going to make it eight against the Bills here in what should be a decently high-scoring affair. And again, guys, Ryan got Dak six weeks ago at 40-1 to to an MVP. Dak is now the MVP favorite on most major sports books. He's Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter. His power rankings hit the site, the33rdteam.com, tomorrow. On Thursdays, his expert picks and predictions for every game come out. Saturdays, he lets you know what he's betting on. Fridays, we have the player prop happy hour. You need to be stay, you need to stay plugged into all of Ryan's content. It's very, very, very high level. And we also call co-authored that ultimate guide to the fantasy football playoffs. We'll make some minor updates to that this week, but I think most of what we 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 laid out last week is still very, very true for this week. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about that product so far. And I think everyone out there should read that to check out our work together. Yeah, that's uh, I, I've said this a few times. I'm not a big hype guy because when I hype something, it means you should go check it out. Go check that out if you're in the fantasy playoffs. That's one of those things that we're going to crush that every year. Jaguars versus Ravens, Josh. Sunday night football, Jaguars are three and a half point home underdogs, 43 and a half point game total here. You know, simply put, Josh, the Jaguars defense is terrible right now. Absolutely terrible. Got shredded by Jake Browning, got shredded by Joe Flacco. You know, if Lamar Jackson's, I would say he's a distant third in the MVP race, but this is a way he can create some margin. You know, if he has another spike week, the, the you know, on that front too, Josh, I do think the Jaguars are a little dangerous here. They actually beat Baltimore last year in a very close contested game. Trevor Lawrence is hurt, though. You know, he, he played, he had three interceptions, just kind of like a messy game in Cleveland. What do you think about the Jaguars' offense here? Yeah, I think the, the Jaguars' offense could struggle here, just like last week. I think the, the three passing touchdowns for Lawrence were the first time this year that he did that. That's exciting. I think the three interceptions are a little bit more telling that he's not quite healthy and that he, he might be missing Christian Kirk. The, the positive, though, is that when Christian Kirk is out, Three guys succeed. Last week, we saw Zay Jones have 14 targets. We saw Ridley have 13 targets. We saw Evan Engram have 12 targets. Engram's the one that had 11 catches for 95 yards and two touchdowns. 
That's actually more production than Zay Jones and Ridley had combined, which is very interesting. But when the targets are consolidated to just three guys, and you know that the the Jaguars will have to pass quite a bit against the Ravens, you can start all three of them in week 15. And I would also expect the fantasy points to even out. I do not believe Evan Engram is going to be outproducing Zay Jones and Ridley combined on less than half the targets each week. So, yeah, I, I think the, the the needle's trending up for Zay Jones, trending up for Calvin Ridley, and it continues to be pretty high for Evan Ingram. On the Baltimore side here, Josh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go all over the place over here with you, pal. Last week, you know, we I I said that through 12 weeks or through 12 games rather, Lamar Jackson's season looks a lot like Daniel Jones from last season at that point. And you know, statistically, it's pretty pretty close. That's why I thought it was clever, you know. But like. One thing that was surprised me during that is how many people like read that as Daniel Jones is better than Lamar Jackson. Like that's not what I think at all. You know, in fact, the year before in the preseason of the year Lamar Jackson won his MVP ticket, I bought two tickets at fifty to one. I I feel I have a pretty good grasp of who Lamar Jackson is. You know, and what I'll say is I do think people double count when he has a good game as a passer. He's a you know dynamic runner. Him and Michael Vick are the two best in the history of the sport. But I don't think Lamar Jackson is a an elite passer. I think he's more of a an efficient uh, game manager in that sense. Where you know if they're going to go any further than they've had, they they need more than that. And to this point, I don't really see the Ravens as being different than they have been in the last several years. You know, to that point, I'm going to go through Jackson's big throws in this game. Twenty yard pass to Old Dale Beckham, great find, but Beckham had a dive to get it. The likely the big the fifty yard touchdown of Isaiah likely motion uncovered again. Lamar Jackson found him great fine, but he was literally by himself downfield. The other big play forty six yard touchdown Beckham completely smoked his guy had to dive into the end zone to catch it. Um, Jackson airmailed a few long, deep shots last week too to guys that had two or three steps. You know the rain the rain was a factor, and in that last drive, you know Lamar Jackson threw a great crosser to to, to basically bring them in overtime. Great player. I just wouldn't. I think he had like 350 yards passing. I wouldn't. I think that's a little bit misleading of what kind of day he had through the air. But again, you know, great, great player. Rock solid team. Ravens are definitely a top four, top five team. No questions there. But I don't think Lamar Jackson's doing as much as some people are portraying him as. That said, Josh, what are you thinking about the Ravens here? Yeah, let's talk about their backfield. So. It's messy. Jaguars have been a pass funnel defense. They're top five in passing yards allowed. They're bottom five in overall rushing yards allowed. I'm really just not interested in any of these Baltimore Ravens options for fantasy. We saw Justice Hill lead the team in snaps this past week, but he barely touched the ball. Keaton Mitchell led the team in touches, but then he still didn't get that many carries. He wasn't involved in the passing game. So I think what we saw, uh, prior to their buy where we started to get a little bit excited. Like, oh, is, is Keen Mitchell going to take over snaps, carries routes? That was a pretty emphatic no last week. It was very rainy. If there was ever going to be a game where they kind of expanded his role, it would have been yesterday against the Rams. So for week 15, when you're either in the fantasy playoffs or one week away from securing your spot in the final four, I would not be starting Keaton Mitchell in any format. Let me ask you this question, Josh. I'm going to put you on the spot a, a bit. And again, we'll we'll answer questions in Discord. This is another smash. The, the, Ra- the Rams are a below-average defense. I think the Jaguars are now too. 
Do you think this is another smash spot for Jackson and, and the main components of the Ravens passing attack? Yeah, I think this is going to be another big game for them. Lamar yeah. did have his second game yesterday with at least 300 yards passing and three touchdowns. Yep. And I, th- I think we might be able to make it three this week, just given the matchup where the Jaguars look like they just have no business stopping anyone through the pass game, but their run defense has been really stout throughout the year. Yeah. I see it the same way. If, if I know there's, I've, I've gotten a few questions about whether or not you should start Lamar Jackson. That's why I brought it up. Just if you have Lamar Jackson, just start him this week. Don't even think about it. Seahawks versus Eagles on Monday night. Seahawks are three and a half point home underdogs. Game total here is 48. They've had a very difficult schedule run over the last few weeks and they've free fall. They now have a sub 500 record. We've talked about that likelihood over the last few weeks. Drew Locke played better than I thought he was going to in San Francisco last week. That defense actually didn't play that bad. The 49ers, the 49ers just loaded and Purdy played a very, very good game. I could see them losing to Philly here and then winning out against weaker opponents down the stretch and sneaking into the playoffs. Um, you know, with or without Geno Smith, Josh, what, what are you thinking here with the Seahawks offense? Yeah, let's talk about the running back room. Eagles are the toughest matchup for fantasy running backs, and I did not like what I saw last week. Kenneth Walker had eight carries. Zach Charbonnet had nine. Kenneth Walker surprisingly led the team with 22 routes run. Charbonnet only had 10. Ultimately, Walker had eight carries, five targets, nine fantasy points. Charbonnet had nine carries, one target, six fantasy points. We're not going to be starting either of these guys against the Eagles with any confidence. With all 16 games happening this week, no teams on bye, I'm probably not going to have either of them in my top 24. And I think there's a slight chance neither cracks the top 30 either for fantasy rankings. So it's just really, really tough sledding for anyone out there that was hoping to count on Kenneth Walker or Zach Charbonnet. Definitely agree. Eagles, Josh, losses to the 49ers and the Cowboys aren't at the end of the world. They're 10 and three now. Secondary needs to be better. No real reason to believe that that's going to happen at this point, though, which means that Jalen Hurts, and we talked about this before the season, that the tougher schedule we thought would lead to Jalen Hurts having to play in more negative game scripts. Um, They could be more of a shootout team down the stretch. They, they, They finished the year with the Giants twice and the Cardinals, so smash spots there. Wide receivers didn't really have a great game in Dallas last week either. I think, you know, this is this is like a classic, you know, bounce back spot. Both of these teams kind of need a win here. So what are you thinking about the Eagles here, Josh? It was Dallas Goddard's first game back. He was only targeted four times, but he caught all of them for 30 yards. That was a 14% target share. A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith combined for over 80% of the team's targets, which is kind of ridiculous. Brown had 13 targets. Smith had 10. I believe, top of my head, I think they both coughed up a fumble in that game as well, which is obviously not very good. But I, I think at least for... We we always knew A.J. Brown were starting him every single week. There was a little bit of trepidation of Devonta Smith with Goddard back. At least last week, it, the, the target share, the yardage, it was all very promising. We'll kind of see how this game goes, but the Seahawks have struggled this year pretty mightily against receivers for fantasy football. So Devonta Smith still looks like he should be in the fantasy wide receiver two conversation in a good matchup. Folks, we have now covered all 16 games upcoming for week 15. We hope that these two Monday night games tonight to close out week 14 are exciting. From myself, Josh Larkey. From my co-host, Ryan Reynolds. From the 33rd team. Thank you, everyone.